When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by regular porter, the Sunday Mail, Scott McDermott. Today, we review Rangers' hard-fought draw against Aberdeen and ask, who are the favourites to come second? How do you solve a problem like Morelos as the Colombian striker falters again in front of goal? And your questions answered. Scott, we are the day after Rangers' 1-1 draw up at Pitodre that... I think you could arguably say puts them in pole position to come second, although it's reliant on Celtic doing what you would expect and defeating Aberdeen at Celtic Park at the weekend. What was your overall take home from the game? Um, I thought Jimmy Nicol was pretty accurate in his, uh, his reaction after the game. Johnny, in terms of Rangers started the game really well, I thought first 10 minutes... Um, there was a pattern emerging on the right-hand side. Taverni and Candias getting at uh, Andy Considine, who's a guy I think you can get at when he's at left-back for Aberdeen. I thought Rangers targeted that. And for first, te- first time that, that that part of the team's looked effective for a, for a few weeks. Yeah, it, it was uh, the first 10-15 minutes, it was working a treat. I thought the, the passing was kind of sharp and crisp. No, they were getting wee... Uh, no kind of one-twos going, especially down the, down that right-hand side in Aberdeen, but having a problem with it. Um, and then the penalty decision seemed to change, you know, seemed to change the course of the game and, and change Rangers' mentality. And I think, as I say, I think Jimmy Nicol was probably right. Rangers felt aggrieved by the decision. I think quite rightly. I don't think it was a it was a penalty. I was at the game at the time. I actually thought it was a penalty so live. That's, that's what I was going to say. I think the referee deserves a slight exemption from criticism because you look at it and in full speed you can totally see why he did give it. Yep. However, on the, the replay you can see that clearly it, it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, I mean we, we were from the press box which at Pitodri which is kind of in line with that 18-yard box um, looking at it from behind. As I say, it looked as if uh, Kenny McLean had got there just ahead of Morelos, but having watched the uh, replay again last night, it wasn't a penalty. The Rangers players, as I say, clearly aggrieved, but they, but they let it affect uh, their mentality rather than just saying to themselves, right, listen, it's a bad decision. Let's get back to what we've been doing for the first 15 minutes. Let's start working it down that, no, down that right-hand side again. They just um, they became very ragged, uh, became very ragged uh, with and without the ball. I thought they actually lost a bit of their discipline, no, by picking up silly, needless yellow cards um, for challenges that were no, they were nothing challenges that they were only going to um, no, they were pointless challenges to go go and pick up yellow cards. I, th- I think they lost a bit of their shape, lost a bit of their discipline, and the rest of the first half, Aberdeen were the better side. 
I think uh, Sean Goss obviously coming on for for Dorans. And is that Doran? That's Doran's obviously done for the rest of the season. That'll be him. Another uh, another injury, and he's had a, such a nightmare. Yeah, run. big big blow, big blow for him. Um, because I know how uh, no ecstatic it was to sign for Rangers. No, he's been a supporter. Everybody knows that his whole life. This was his kind of dream move last summer, um, and it just hasn't worked out for him for a number of reasons. That's him. He did two. No, if this is. I mean, if this is knee ligament damage or, or ankle ligament damage, I'm not sure. Um, following on through what he had before, then it's the season's been a bit of a, a bit of a write-off for him. Um, but I thought Goss looked good when he came on, as he did at the weekend against Kilmarnock. I mean, when he came on against Kilmarnock, it, it kind of no, got you thinking how Goss had slipped so far down the, the pecking order, because obviously we'd spoke about him. Um, fairly uh, glowingly, you know, at the, at, when he first came in from QPR. He obviously did a couple of poor games. I think it was Celtic and Kilmarnock on the bounce. Um, and then he was you know, he was dropped to the bench and, and hasn't been able to get, get back in. But I thought he made an impact at the weekend. I thought he made an impact last night. Derek McInnes even said it himself after the game, just Goss's ability to get his head up you know, and make passes. And he's, he has got a... A great range of passing. Uh, I thought, I thought he low. got he got stuck in as well, which is something we probably previously wouldn't have necessarily associated with Goss. Yep. But he really put himself about. I mean, he's a he's a decent physical size. Yes. So he has that in his locker, and and that was the first time we saw it. The game was pretty broken. It was towsy. Um, it was yeah. towsy. It was a tight affair. Yeah. And really, it was about second balls. Yeah. Fundamentally, there was not a lot of uh, controlled play going on. I, th- I think it's worth saying, <laughs> tactically, and again, Derek McInnes mentioned it in his post-match last night, was, uh, I mean, Jimmy Nicol and Jonathan Johansson, no, they probably only have one game left at Rangers uh, with the Hibs game on Sunday. But I thought the tactical switch um, when Cummings came on, and I expected Cummings just to play off Morelos or play two up front. I think most people probably did. But putting him wide left and getting Murphy infield made a huge difference to Rangers, yep. I think. And as I say, McInnes commented on it. Murphy started causing him all sorts of problems uh, in that number 10 role. thought Cummings played well no, on the left-hand side, which is interesting because probably the best game Cummings had... Uh, was the Falkirk game where he played left hand side and got his got his hat trick, so that might be something <coughs> that they look at, or it would have been something they look at on Sunday. But obviously Morelos being banned um, might prevent them from from doing that. But I thought the second half, Rangers came onto a game, uh, were probably the better side certainly in the last twenty five minutes, and had chances to win the game. Um, a couple of half chances and a big chance for Morelos with the with the header, which was a a brilliant move again down the right hand side. A stunning ball from Taverni, which probably I don't mean goes unnoticed, but that that uh, delivery, you no, know, a, a spinning ball, you no, know, and for where he, he delivered it from, it was an outstanding cross, and Morelos should have done a lot better with it. And if and if he had, I think Rangers would have went on and won the game. In terms of where it leaves Rangers for this battle for second place, Scott, they go up against Hibs knowing that a victory should 
lead them to second place. Of course, Aberdeen could go to Parkhead and win, but given Derek McInnes's record against the the old firm teams in Glasgow this year, well, just generally this yeah. year, uh, you would have to assume that that would be highly unlikely. Do you think this Rangers team without Dorans, without Morelos, um, without McCrory, without McCrory, have enough about them to go to Easter Road against a Neil Lennon side and win? I think a lot depends on Hibs' result tonight in the derby because if Hibs go and win at Tynecastle, no, they'll have the bit between their teeth. They're they're already the forum side, really in the top six, Hibs. But if Hibs go in, if Hibs are going into the game on Sunday with all guns blazing, knowing a victory over Rangers could get them second, I have to say I would worry about Rangers' prospects without the the players you mentioned. I think if Hibs were to lose tonight, and for them, there wouldn't be that much riding on Sunday. Um, cause if they lose tonight, <coughs> that would stop them for getting, for getting second. Um, that's the key thing for Rangers. I think if Hibs go into Sunday's game with not a lot to play for, Rangers have got a, Rangers have got a chance. Despite the fact that Neil Lennon, no, you would never expect any Neil Lennon team to kind of um, be half-hearted going into, going into anything but honestly having watched Hibs a few times this season most recently in the Celtic game at Easter Road where they, they blew Celtic away if if they go into this on Sunday off the back of a win in the derby at Tynecastle and still with a chance a second I think Rangers are going to have their work, their work cut out on Sunday and of course there, there is a situation where a draw could be enough for Rangers provided Aberdeen are defeated by Celtic yeah. because of their superior so, goal defence. It's always a tricky situation that you know, when you're playing for a no guarantee a game yeah. play, playing for a draw um, obviously Rangers will just go in no matter what. Um, so how, how, do you think, win the game. how do you think they'll set up? Do you think we're looking at a situation whereby they'll they'll stick with a 4-1-1 four, four, one, one, or do you, do you see a, a change? Certainly, your three-five-two uh, scenario uh, seems like it'd be unlikely to to go through now, given that they've not used it up at yeah. any point. I, I think if uh, if Morelos was available for Sunday, you might have seen the team that finished the game last night uh, start. Obviously, without McCrory, somebody would need to come in for come in for him. Probably Greg Doherty, you would, you would imagine, would come in beside uh, Goss and Holt. Um, but the fact that Morelos is out, I don't see any other option other than to play Cummings, Cummings up top with Murphy at one side and Candias at the other. You don't think Eddie Herrera is going to get her? I'd be amazed if <laughs> uh, Big Edward made a made an appearance on Sunday. Uh, it could be his last hurrah right enough, so he might he might get a place could, on the bench. Could be a time for Dalcio. Nah, <laughs> I'll crack I'll crack the jokes. <laughs> um. So, I mean, how... M- M- sorry, McCrory, I think, is going to be a big miss as well. Yeah, because he was excellent in the he, second he half. He was... I think he's shown the last couple of games what we've been saying for for weeks now, that his position is going to be in central midfield. And I, I actually think... Listen, McCrory's still got a lot to learn. We know that. He's still developing. He's still young. He's not the sitting midfielder in the kind of current Scott Brown mould where he's going to dictate the tempo of a game and control it with his passing and, and stuff like that. But what he's given you now is uh, no raw energy, 
no box to box driving runs. It's I mean, got um, some ton of pace on. That's what I was going to say. For, carries for a, the ball with. for a central midfielder. No, he moves at some pace with, with, the, with the ball at his feet. I actually thought he didn't use it. He's clearly got it in his locker. There was times last night I thought he could have used it more. He was almost kind of holding himself back a wee bit, but he would just you know, pass it to the side because he felt that was the right thing to do. But I think slowly but surely you're seeing McCrory take on more responsibility. And I think that'll be... I think Stephen Gerrard, for instance... Well, I've looked at the last two performances for McCrory in midfield coming on against Kilmarnock and uh, last night, and think right, I can no, I can I can use this boy. It strikes me that second place, while it would be very very nice for all involved at Rangers, and it would certainly salvage the season on paper. There is a case to say that it's not really that important, and in some ways, finishing third or fourth would uh, would probably be better for Steven Gerrard because it would give him a clear. Uh, line of sight towards what improvement would be and that would be obviously getting them into second next year which is going to be an absolute must but also it's highly likely that Celtic are going to beat Motherwell in the the Scottish Cup so you've got to imagine that even fourth will, will certainly give you that European place what I wonder Scott though was how will Gerard view these early round European ties will he see this as a as a as a bit of a pain in the backside because it's potentially tricky ties. We saw that last year, even against minnows like uh, Progress Nidercorn. And the team's probably not going to be that up to pace in terms of bedding new signings in, in terms of fitness after the summer. Are these uh, 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 fixtures that Rangers could actually probably just do without? Uh, no, I don't think Stephen Gerrard will think that way. Um, the way he spoke at his press conference when he was unveiled... And the way he is as a guy, the way he was as a player, um, I think he'll see it as a as a challenge to get into the to somehow try and claw your way into the Europa League group group stages. Um and he'll want the way he spoke last Friday, he wants big game pressure pretty much from the from the off. I certainly have um, exactly. Um listen, I think he'll know he'll, he'll be realistic enough to know that the squad by the time those Euro games come round, the squad probably won't be where he wants it to be in terms of getting guys in, guys out, uh, getting the kind of the kind of shape right. But I remember last year, Johnny. I remember speaking to Brendan Rodgers before a Celtic game, and I think it was a I think it was a Celtic. In fact, it was the Celtic Linfield game, the Champions League mm-hmm. qualifier. It was the day after Rangers had been knocked out by uh, progress and Rogers was being asked about no just what you're saying these early games Linfield could have done without it it was so early in the pre-season he hadn't got a squad right no guys were still coming back for injury and stuff but Rogers spoke about players having a a mental fitness not a physical fitness because there's no way they would be up to speed by that point but he spoke about those about players needing a mental fitness to get through those uh, early rounds. And I think he's bang on, and I know exactly what he means, because the, the, the progress... Rangers were, a, <coughs> Rangers were a better team than, than progress, neither corner. I mean, that that's clear. They should have won that tie. They're a far better team at home. They went to Luxembourg. No, it was difficult conditions. Kashinia, obviously the new manager, even at that point, already under a bit of 
a bit of pressure. There was new guys came in. I mean, you mentioned Dalcio Herrera was playing. It was Rossiter was playing in midfield. It was yeah. a practically new Cranchar was playing. It was Morelos' first game. But in games like that, no, Rangers weren't ready. Physically weren't ready. But like Roger says, your mental fitness can get you through games like that because in your mind, you just do whatever it takes to get through that game. And that's what Rangers... That's what Rangers have lacked for the the word go. Last season, it's been prevalent right throughout the throughout the season. People have talked about their mentality and their attitude, and I think it's I think it's a problem. And getting back to the original point, that is the key thing for Gerard to try and instill from very early on. Will he be able to do it in time for the for those Europa League games? Who knows? It might still be too too early. But the first thing Gerard has to do when he gets out of that dressing room is somehow start work on changing the changing the mentality and turning these guys into into winners or at least thinking like winners because that that's been missing for too long now. Well, we'll get back to that when we have a wee look at who stays and who goes, uh, or who we think should stay and yeah. go, um, which we'll do later on in the show. But first of all, I just want to touch on Alfredo Morelos who. Is having a bit of a sticky time in front of goal. And certainly there's been a lot of criticism from rival fans, especially Celtic fans who have seen him probably mostly in games against Celtic. Um, but that has started to spread and I notice more and more people having seen him more often are starting to wonder about him and why Rangers fans hold him in such high regard. And you look at the stats, he's only scored five in the last 15. Yeah. It seems what, to me one, one in the last ten. Yeah, maybe, I think it's, it seems to me fairly straightforward that his form has juddered to a halt since the January transfer window and all that speculation surrounding a potential move to China. And it also ties in with the fact that Dave King was asked about this in his press briefing uh, on Monday, and King said that it was it, the decision was entirely Graham Murty's. Where do we sit on this? Should Dave King have allowed that kind of a decision to be made by a, an interim manager and were Rangers wrong to turn that, that money down? I think they were wrong to turn the money down. If £8 million was an offer for Morelos, they should have bitten the hand off <coughs> of whatever Chinese club was was offering them. Uh, I thought Dave King's comments about the Morelos situation uh, was a bit strange the other day, to be honest. In one breath, he said that Graham Murty was never going to be the permanent Rangers manager, and everyone pretty much knew that. And yet, by the same token, he admits that, as you say, that the decision to keep Morelos was left uh, was left to Murty. I also thought I didn't quite understand uh, King saying that you no, know, by taking the eight million pounds, the money in the bank was no use to them at that time because they, they had no time to get a replacement in or whatever. I mean, the two things I would say about that is, first of all, there are deals get done on deadline day in hours, no minutes even at times. If you've got a director of football, which Rangers have, uh, no, as soon as there was any sort of interest for Alfredo Morelos early in the window, you would have thought there would have been a ready-made kind of list of replacements that Rangers would have you know, already made kind of tentative steps to kind of sound them people out, whether it be agents or players, so that if a Morelos bid was accepted, 
it would trigger a reaction for Rangers to go and try and get the replacement. Now, they might not be able to pull it off. That's the that's the gamble you take, especially when you, you accept a big bid late on in a window. But the other thing is, you know, Dave King saying that the money wasn't any use to him. It might not have been any use to them at that point, but if it was sitting in the bank for another six months and now with a new manager coming in, Stephen Gerrard, no. If he's going to be given, if he's safer, no, if, if he's given the same money as Pedro Cuxinha got, around 10, 11 million pounds uh, to get players in. Which he surely will get. Yeah, you would, well, you'd have you would, to imagine you would, think, so. you would think so. But if you've got 8 million Morelos money sitting in the bank at the same time, well, suddenly you can say to Stephen Gerrard, well, listen, we've got 10 million that we had for you anyway, but listen, we're going to give you another six on top of that yeah. that we got for Morelos. That could make a big a big difference. Now, listen, I understand why Graham Murty and football people, and even Rangers as a club at the turn of the year, would want to keep Morelos because there was a feeling that he did such a good start to the season that... If he continued the way he was going, no, he would hit thirty. He could hit thirty goals. He could get into the Colombian national team for the World Cup squad. Um, I understand the the thinking, but of course, hi- hindsight's a great thing. But I think you're right, Morelos. The forum has dipped. Uh, the goals aren't really coming anymore. I still think for a young man, I've said it on here many times. He's had a very good debut season. I think a lot of people don't appreciate that he's been playing football for, what, 14 months non-stop because he was playing in the Finnish summer season last year. So he probably needs a needs a break. But I just what, what worries me about Morelos, and it was evident again last night, is just his body language. No, I just... He doesn't look happy anymore to me. No, I might, might be totally wrong. That's just, no, trying to read it from afar. Just looks a bit, a bit moody, a it's bit the, more. The moodiest blue since Marco Negri, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. That's who he reminds me of he in is. terms of his body language. And and even he, he's also, no, he's got away with a couple of things, and he's he's playing, no, on the edge at the moment. And listen, I know there's only one game, there's only one game left. But no, if he can't afford to, no, if he if he picks up a button early early on in a game, Morelos, now you're. you're you're worried about him as the game goes on because you think you think he could get sent off. I agree with you that he's he's had a good season. I think the problem that you have is if you've got a 21 year old kid like that, they kind of almost need a a Mark Hately figure alongside them, or not not maybe necessarily that good obviously nowadays, yeah. but someone an experienced striker like you would have hoped Eddie Herrera would be. Yeah, that could interchange with him for certain games and and allow him to come out and have a wee break. Um, and they've just not had that. He's become the central striker, and I, I think he offers a hell of a lot. And we've talked about yep. it over and over again. Um, he's a and handful. He, and he, did, he did last night. He was yeah. he was decent again last night. He's got a bit of pace physically for his size. He's fantastic. But I just wonder, and I'm starting to seriously question whether or not he is a good enough finisher to ever be a, a standout number nine for Rangers yeah. because. He doesn't have that cutting edge in front of goal. He's missed so many good chances this season. And to get 14 league goals from, a, I think it's 14 from 34, that's not a great return at Rangers. At a club like Rangers where they're, they're creating a lot of chances, you have to have a better ratio yeah. than that. I know that it's been tempered by probably the disappointment of missing out on a move that 
would have potentially change his life. You know, he's from a poverty-stricken background in Colombia. He's not one of the, the more... Uh, um, the better off countries in, in the world and certainly there's a lot of poverty and he's maybe thinking I could set my family up for life, set myself up for life with a move like that and that's maybe been a huge disappointment for him. But I think he's got a lot to learn and before he gets a big move and I think he has the talent to get a big move but before he does he needs to work on a lot of aspects on his game. He's far away from being a finished article. He's a bit of a polish, a, a rough diamond at the moment yeah. and he needs polishing and I actually think Rangers would be the perfect place for him to yeah, do that for I a couple of years. I agree. They, they, need to get, they need to get serious competition in beside him. As yeah. you say, I think they, he needs guys, A, to learn from, and B, to really push him, no, and, and it, where he's got to fight for his, his place. Because let's be honest, although Jason Cummings has put a wee bit of pressure on him, no, being there, Morelos has still always been the first pick when you're going with, when you're going with one up front. Um... And I think you just need to get him, as I say, I don't think he looks happy at the moment. And I think Rangers need to, I think to get the best out of Alfredo Morelos, he's got to be in a good place mentally. Um, and if you do that, I think he can get goals. But but you're right, he, do, he does need help. And I think he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of learning to do. But it can come because he's only, as we say, he is only 21. Um He's proved he can he can score goals. He does offer you a lot up there, um, as you say, physically. I don't I think if you asked any no Premiership defender or centre half if they enjoyed playing against him, I don't think I don't think they would. So there is a there is a player in there, and you're right. I think Rangers need to uh, Rangers need to polish it and and no really work with it and ho- no you would hope that, that Steven Gerrard would be the guy to, would be the guy to do that but he does need no they need reinforcements in that department obviously Herrera will go we don't know what will happen with, with Jason Cummings as yet it's going to cost Rangers a, a fair bit of uh, cash to get to get Cummings in permanently but he's, Morelos if he's going to be at Ibrox next season he needs help round about him if he gets that and he gets his head in a good a good place. I still think he can be a no a big uh, a big success for Rangers. He's obviously signed a new contract, so he's got another I think three years yeah. um, left at the club. Do you get a sense though? And there's certainly been a lot of rumour around his potential for a move in the close season. Do you believe that he's someone that Rangers will look to ship on because they'll think this is a great way to br- to bring in some money to give to Steven Gerrard? For his transfer war chest. Listen, if another bid comes in like the one uh, we believe came in from from China, then of course you would look at it. I think that's doubtful. Now, no, make no mistake. Alfredo Morelos is no different to any other young uh, foreign player, young South American player coming to Scottish football. No, their their target, <coughs> their targets to go and play in English. Premier League, that that's just a, a fact you know, that Rangers fans need to accept. But is he good enough for the English Premier League yet? I don't think so. We've spoken about that before. I don't expect any English Premier League club to, to come in for him in the summer. He could get an English Championship club having a having a wee nibble. No, he would you would think he would take to that. He's got the physicality for that league. Well, I think he should go to Spain. If he's thinking about going somewhere or targeting a place to go, because if you go to Spain with the kind of physicality he has, I think you're on riot. Yeah. 
because the defenders aren't used to that kind of rough and tumble. He's really, really built that side of his game up. But yeah. you think if you look back to the start of the season and compare him in those early games to where he is now, yeah, he's he's developed a lot. But how much how much do you accept for him now, bid wise? I mean, if he's got three years left, but we're saying he's an asset, he's going to get better, no, but by learning the game more. I mean, if somebody comes in, no, from a Spain or even English Championship and offers three three and a half million, do you take it? I think it's got to be minimum five million. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even that, if if you're to believe that there was a an eight million pound bid, and there's no reason to believe that's what the club have said. Yeah. No reason to disbelieve it. Um. Why would they accept five million? Yeah. For me, though, that's more like his true worth, five million. So I mean, eight million, as we discussed on the podcast at the time, Rangers should have snapped the hand off yeah. whatever Chinese club was offering that because that was just incredible money. Um, I, and you wonder, I doubt that that would be a case that they would turn that down again if you know if no. that presents itself. Uh, so we'll move on a little bit. I suppose um, it takes us quite nicely into the discussion about who stays and who goes. Scott, do you have a list of three players that you think are likely to leave in the summer? Um, aside from the obvious. Aside from the obvious, yeah. Um, well, let's get through them. I mean, goalkeeper-wise, I think Jack Anik has done enough to suggest he could be a good backup goalkeeper. Um we're led to believe Alan McGregor. The Alan McGregor deal's you know, all but done. Yeah. We've spoke before that he will probably come in as number one. I think if you had McGregor with Anik as backup, you'd be pretty happy with it. That, that to me, then says Wes Fodringham is vulnerable and Rangers would look, you know, if they can get a bid in for him, they would they would let him go. How much do you think he would be, you'd be looking at for him? Maybe 1.5, 2 million pounds? Two million tops, I yeah. think. Yeah, if you could get a bid for England for for two million, I think Rangers would Rangers would happily let them let them go. Um, fullback positions, I think Stephen Gerrard will want to keep James Tavernier and Declan and, John. Unless there's a big offer for Tavernier, and there's been chat about Swansea. Yeah, having strong interest. I mean, if a three million pound offer came in for Tavernier, maybe. I mean, you'd need you'd need to weigh that up. I mean, for that money, I mean, listen, there's, as people will argue and say, listen, there's good right-backs in Scotland. Jason Naismith at, Race, at Ross County, Richard Tate at, at Mullerwell, guys that you, know, you can get, or you could get relatively cheaply. I, mean, I know Jason Naismith, for instance, has been Ross County's best player this season by a street. Uh, he's a Rangers fan. No, I'm sure that that would be a move that he would, he would be open to. Um, but... No, we we've discussed Tavernier before, and I know different people have been on the on the pod and think Rangers should let him go. They've no, we've discussed his flaws, and he does have a few flaws, but he's got big attributes as well. Um, I, mean, we disc- I spoke about that cross earlier on for Morelos last night. Um, so for two or three million, if you're really going to get a a top replacement for Tavernier, you might you might struggle for that that kind of money. I think Gerard will look at him and think I want him to I want him to stay. Mm. Um, he's obviously been he's been captain as well for the last well maybe the last ten games or so. He seems very happy at Rangers every time every time he speaks. So yeah, I think him and Declan John will stay. There's obviously a question mark over Lee Wallace because he's still currently suspended. Who knows what will 
know what will come of that. Again, uh, that, that, was in, that was interesting with regards to Dave King's comments talking about senior players letting Graham Murty down, yeah. which I thought was... That, um, that must be a worry for Lee Wallace. Yeah. Uh, if the if the club's hierarchy are talking about that, uh, are talking like that, it was uh, it was odd to hear that though from someone of prominence. Yeah. Given that that's still ongoing. Yeah. Um, I suspect that Lee Wallace's lawyers might lap that up. Yeah, and also Jimmy Nicko, well maybe not as strong as the Dave King comments, but Nicko after the game on Saturday, but no, when defending Graham Murty seem to kind of suggest, no, I, I, th- I think his words were everything that's going on behind the scenes, you know, some of the things you wouldn't believe, what he's had to put up with and stuff. Yeah. To me, again, that was almost like a, no, kind of leaning towards that incident at Hamden and what, what Murty's had to had to deal with from, from within. As if there's more to come out regarding the overall picture yeah. that perhaps we haven't maybe been fully yeah. uh, so I th- I think aware of. I think Lee Wallace will probably be worrying. He's got a year left, obviously, so we'll need to wait and see what comes of that. Uh, centre-backs, big improvements needed. I mean, David Bates has come in the last couple of games and can't believe we're saying it, but it's clearly now Rangers' best centre back. Uh but of course he's away he's away to Hamburg in the in the summer, which I think's a a big blow. Russell Martin is obviously going to be away. There's absolutely he, no way that'll go through. He'll well, go back to Norwich. Uh I suppose Bruno Alves has got another year on his contract. That'll be that'll be an interesting one for for Gerard's point of view because well, we spoke about Alves before. Um and Gerard might just look at him and think, you know what, I want to get this guy sat down. I want to know what he's thinking. I want to know why it hasn't worked. I want to know why he thinks it hasn't worked out for him because I've got him for a year. He's an asset. He's still playing international football. He's played at such a high level. I want to see what he's got to say for himself. What's, his, what's his injury situation at the moment? He's fit. He was on the bench last night. Yeah. He was on the bench and... Uh, the last time we spoke to Graham Murty... I know he was on the bench, but I mean, you know, is he getting eased back into the, 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 the first-team setup, or is he specifically not being chosen? He's specifically not being chosen. Right. I mean, I think he's, he's fully fit. Uh, just before the Celtic game um, at Parkhead, Graham Murty said he'd, he'd gone back to, I think it was Spain, well, Spain or Portugal, for more therapy, as Bruno calls it, I think, um, on one of his muscle injuries. But he's came back, he's been in the bench for the last couple, so he's available for selection. But I just think Graham Murty and Jaminico have dis- uh, clearly decided that uh, Russell Martin and Bates were going to be the the, the partnership, can, or the can, best partnership. Can we explain that? Because a lot of Rangers fans will be listening to this going, given how Russell Martin's performed, how can Bruno Alves be behind him? Yeah, we've spoken about it before. I don't, I don't get it personally. Uh, again, absolutely nothing against Russell Martin. Uh, good guy, consummate pro. Thought he would bring something to the Rangers dressing room, and probably has within the the walls of uh, the training ground. I don't doubt he's brought guys standards on in terms of the way he leads his life, uh, the way he's had his his career. But on the pitch, you know, he's made too many mistakes. I think Russell Martin would, would possibly even admit that admit that himself. So, no, I don't quite understand it. No, Bruno Alves and Bates to me would be the would be the central defensive partnership. Um, 
But Alves' future certainly, certainly up near. Uh, Martin will go back. No, it's got to be serious doubts about Fabio Cardozo. You would think has been so far out of the picture for a long time. You would imagine Mark Allen, the people at Rangers, are no are trying to find him a new club for want of a better uh, for want of a better expression. They've maybe even told guys like Cardozo to inform their agents to go and try and find try and find other clubs. So there's serious. Uh, serious work has to be done in the, the centre of defence next season. Whether Alves stays stays or goes. Um, midfield, difficult well, again. Important to re- uh, remember Scott Arfield's coming in there. Yeah. And he's a versatile player who obviously is a very good standard in terms of the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. Um, Scottish Premiership. And he will be someone that can come in and hopefully make an instant impact. That's what Rangers will hope anyway. But I suppose you look at Graham Dorans and you see similar guy in terms of how we would be describing him before he arrived. Um, so nothing is guaranteed. No, but Gerard will want to keep Dorans. There's absolutely no doubt in, in my mind. I think he'll want to keep Dorans. I think he'll want to keep Ryan Jack, even though he's no, he's no seen him. Um... He'll want to keep Greg Doherty as well. McCrory, obviously. McCrory is an obvious one. But then you've got five central midfielders that you'll want to keep. And you've not even there's bound to be players that he'll want to bring in there. Yeah. But but you're losing no Goss will go back to QPR. I think I, I can't see I don't think that deal will get done now. I'd be surprised if, if Gerard's seen enough. Um they think I'll, I'll go for him. Um, Jordan Rossiter, it's just impossible. I know he's been on the bench the last couple of games. He's got the advantage of knowing Stephen Gerrard really well. Gerrard actually spoke about him briefly at his unveiling and said he would obviously want to sit down with, with Rossiter. And I thought he was, quite, he was quite non-committal when he, when he discussed that. I mean, yeah, we, we were both in the room, so you, 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 it was one of those ones, if you read the quotes... You would think it was quite positive, but it was just he seemed slightly reluctant, didn't he? The, the problem is Stephen Gerrard will want guys out there every week, giving them a hundred percent, guys they can rely on, guys that he knows aren't going to be injured, like yeah. like he was essentially as a yeah. as a player. And I just don't think he can rely on Rosser, whether he knows him or not. Gerrard will know that no know all about his problems, uh, and I just don't think he'll he'll be able to hang his hat on Rosser. I think he'll just try and get him off the. Try and get him off the wage bill. Do you think it would be a, probably a loan move for Rossett or maybe ne- next year? Possibly. That, that's that might be a shout. No, you could maybe see him going down to the championship in England, something like that, for a season long loan, seeing how he copes, you no know, fitness wise, and then there might still be an opportunity to to bring him back. I mean, if he'd been down to England and played thirty odd games, then you'd say right, no, fair enough. It might be worth uh, worth giving a chance, but. I don't think at this moment in time Gerard will be will be relying on him in terms of his in terms of his squad list. Um the other guys are obviously guys like Jason Holt, Andy Halliday. Um Jason Holt's an interesting one because <laughs> no, he's the type of guy that gives you absolutely everything. No, full of energy, box to box. I mean, I watched him on Saturday in the Kilmarnock game and thought, you know what, Stephen Gerrard might just watch this and think, no, I like this wee guy. I, I want to, no, I want him in my, I want him in my squad. But as you say, 
if he keeps all of them, no, you're, no, then you are struggling numbers wise. And as for Andy Halliday, I have to admit, no, I feel for him uh, because no, everyone knows what Rangers means to him. Every, everybody knows what it means to uh, to play for the club to, to him. And in the last few weeks, he's obviously been shunted to left back, um, and he's clearly not a left, clearly not a left back. Um, no, if for him, it's kind of played football at any level. I mean, there's nothing worse than being a no being a midfielder, feeling like you're a you're a midfielder, and then suddenly you've got to get back into defence. And and the games he's had to play in as well, away to Celtic, away to Aberdeen, no tough, tough games to be played in a position that you're no. You're no comfortable in. Um, One thing you can't say about Andy Halliday is that he's not given his all. I mean, he, he's yeah. a guy that when he puts that jersey on, you know you're going to get a shift. You know yeah. you're not going to get someone that's going to hide. Yeah. And I, I thought even in the Celtic game, uh, he was one player that was brave, given yeah. the the abuse that he was taking from yeah. the fans and the mockery he was taking. He stood up to that and showed. I think he showed a bit of character. Yeah, um, and he's he's got that. He has got character. There's no there's no doubt about it. But you know, he's also realistic enough to know that Stephen Gerrard's coming in as a new manager. There's going to be money to spend. There's a there's so many midfielders already at the club. So listen, he'll be. No, there's no doubt he'll be contemplating his future and wondering where he where he kind of goes from here or how it's going to end up. The one guy in midfield that we've not discussed, because I suppose he's he's sort of a hybrid between a midfielder and a striker, is uh, Josh Windass. I thought you were going to say Carlos Pena there. <laughs> well, again, Dave <laughs> King was um, pretty adamant that, that that Pena wouldn't be back until January and yeah. it would be dealt with then. So that's a developing one that we'll see how that, that comes to pass in terms of uh, Cruz Azul and what they want to do in terms of uh, getting the guy back and playing again. In terms of Windass, for me, Rangers should look to make a deal happen with a championship club or, or a premiership club if one of them, a Premier League club if one of them is interested because I don't think you're ever going to get the kind of consistency from Windass or the kind of uh, winning, gritty mentality that you require to be a player at Rangers um, and be a, a, a massive success. Now, having said that, I think, as we've discussed many times, he's got so many attributes He's got great pace, power, he can finish. The thing is, I just sometimes think certain players are just not a great fit for certain clubs. Yeah. And I'm not sure Josh Windass and Rangers are ever going to really fully mesh together. He could end up going to a Burnley or another another side down in England and be a real big hit, can end up being a 10, 15 million pound player. I, I quite believe that. However, I don't think that's really ever going to come to pass at Rangers. To me, it reminds me a little bit of like of Charlie Adam, who was a very good player, very talented player. Yep. But he didn't just really fit into the jigsaw at Rangers at the time. He yep. had to go down to Blackpool and then got his various moves. Yep. For me, Windass is the same. It's just it's just not he's in the wrong movie. It's not going to happen. Yep. So I, they might as well do a deal. I totally agree. And also I agree with everything you've said. Um but as well as that, no, Rangers will want to of course, they're going to offload a lot of guys who are not in the picture, right? But they'll also need to, as, as we're discussing just now, they'll also need to actually look at their first team and think, who do we get out here? Because they want to bring a wee bit of you want to bring a wee bit of money in. Yep. You know, if you're going to make changes to your first team, you need to decide right, who are the guys in the first team that a there will be interest in, b we can get a decent fee for, 
and see no clearly isn't indispensable. We can lose them, we can get a replacement. I think you're right. I think Windass falls into that category, same category as West Fodringham for me, and that if they're put up for sale or no, it's made known that they're available, I think there'll be interest from England. I think Rangers could get a few quid for either of them. But in the grand scheme of things, will they be a great loss to the first team and to Rangers and to Steven Gerrard? I don't think so. So I, I agree that Windass would be one that, that you would look at trying to, if you can, trying to offload in the summer. Talented kids, um, what do you think the coaches, what do you think he'd be like to coach? Just because, as I say, it's frustrating to watch him because you see all these elements. Yeah, but even more frustrating to coach, I would imagine, because yeah. you're probably seeing every day Josh Windass no smashing goals in for all angles into top corners and you no know, pinging passes about and uh, but you're right he's just not been consistent enough and people point to the I know his goals and assists numbers look quite good but sometimes you need to look beyond the numbers you need to just trust in what you're actually watching you know, trust your own uh, eyesight do you know what I mean and I agree with you he's, he flits in and out of games too much uh, he disappears too much. I don't think, in general, he's done it in the real big games. I know he scored against Celtic in the three-two game, but you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't look a good fit. Where do you play him? Do you play him wide left? Well, they tried that. Didn't quite work. They got him into the number ten role. Started pretty well, but then in the big games when you really needed him to go and make an impact and get involved and do something, conjure something up just you no know, didn't look interested. Um that's the the you no know, conundrum with, with Josh Windass. There is talent there, there's raw ability. You're talking about a kid that was kinda linked to Arsenal when he was younger and um no he, he does have attributes but again I go back to the the point if you're looking at Rangers first eleven you're thinking, right, it hasn't worked, there's gonna be big changes as well as the squad players that were gonna discard the loan players that can go back, the guys we want off the wage bill, who in this first team can we can we let go and maybe get a bit of cash in? And I think I think if you actually look at the first team squad, Fodringham and Windass are probably the two, yeah, the two main ones. I know you're not the biggest fan of Daniel Candias, but for me and I think for a lot of other people you look at what he's produced in terms of just pure stats. Yeah. And, and and he has been productive. He's just signed a new deal. I don't think you would get a lot of money from him, so I think that'll be someone they'll persevere with. Yeah. The big one that I think is a has a question mark over it is Jamie Murphy. Because my understanding from speaking to somebody down at Brighton is that it's a done deal in terms of it yeah. goes from a loan to a permanent transfer. Is that yep. your understanding of that one? It and, is. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Murphy spoke about it pretty openly. I mean the there's absolutely not a shred of doubt in Jamie's Murphy, Jamie Murphy's mind that he'll be a Rangers player next season. So I don't expect that to change even with a new manager coming in. And for me, deserves to be. Because although he's had a slight dip De- in the definitely. last couple of days, he is yeah. still, in the, in the last couple of days, in the last couple of weeks, he has still been uh, one of the Premiership's best attacking players yeah. in the time that he's been at the club. What about Jason Cummings? I know you've talked about it'll, it'll be a decent amount of money to bring him in. I think anywhere between 650000 and a million, depending on who you believe and add-ons and all the rest of it. I think it'll be over a million quid to get, to get Cummings in. I, I think Rangers, my understanding is Rangers have a kind of loose arrangement with Nottingham Forest. 
there's a fee of around maybe like £1.4 million, something, something like that. Um, and Rangers are the first option in that if they want to, if they want to go and trigger that. Now, initially, I think you would have said for definite, yeah, let's go and do it for one point four. Goodbye, good age. Uh, he came in, started really well. Um, goal at Ross County, the goals against Falkirk. But just with the new manager coming in, it kind of throws it up in the air a wee bit. No, will, will Jason Cummings be Stephen Gerrard's type of player? No, will, will Gerrard... No, well, I, I heard somebody saying, I think it was Gerard Tully actually said uh, last week in the Daily Record, he expects Gerrard to go 4-3-3, which will mean one, one main striker. We've spoke about how difficult that is for, for Jason Cummings at the moment. No, his Cummings has terrific attributes, we know that. He's a he's a goal scorer, no more of an actual finisher than, than Morelos, as we touched on earlier. But if you're going to play one up front, uh, I think it's difficult for him. And that'll be you know, whoever's deciding at Rangers, whether it's Gerard or you no know, Mark Allen or, or whoever. That's what they're going to need to weigh up when they decide in the summer whether to take up this option with Nottingham Forest and make the deal make the deal permanent. Okay, now we've probably uh, gone over a little bit the length of time we were expecting to talk about that, so we're going to quickly move on to the questions. Scott, we're, this is going to be quick fire, okay. so I'm going to hit you with quick fire questions and quick fire answers. Yep. Um, so first one is a lot of focus has been put on the need for central defenders, but what do you see happening in the striker department? Kenny Miller is likely gone. Bids may potentially come in for Morelos and Cummings uh, is just on loan. So I suppose f- we've already kind of touched on that, but but how many players do you think Rangers will look to bring in? Herrera, we assume, is going to go. Morelos has got a question mark. Thought, Cummings, thought, we don't think at 1.4 million is going to come in. thought it was quickfire questions. I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> decent point. I'm, I'm rambling. Listen, M- M- I expect Morelos to stay. Miller and Herrera will be gone. Cummings is up in the air, but I've got a feeling that deal will happen, actually. I think they'll keep Cummings, but I think Gerard will look to bring at least one, probably two strikers and another two strikers. And there's been links with a player like Dominic Solanke. Yeah. Now, 80 grand a week, apparently, he's on, so perhaps that's uh, wishful thinking from uh, for Rangers fans. But do you think it's someone like that, an English player, Premiership player with pace and power that Gerard will look to get to to fit into that four three three. Definitely, I think. I mean, as you say, the wages might be an issue, but he'll be looking at guys like Solanke, young, hungry. No, he said at his press conference he wants young, hungry players. Solanke fits into that category. There'll be lots of young players down in England, young strikers who have got that but aren't getting a game at their club uh, and Solanke's one of them. I think he would he would fit the bill perfectly for Rangers in the summer. Out of the current squad, how many would you say realistically have a chance of being regulars next season? Right, I'll answer this one first, Scott. I think Tavernier, John, Candias, Murphy and Morelos. Uh, Five. Taverni, John, uh, Murphy, Dorans would be my four definites to start under Gerard. Okay. Um, where are the millions King is promising actually going to come from? I think that's from a Hibs fan. <laughs> At Tom Freeman. 
Definitely a Hibs fan. Who knows? You just need to, no, you need to take Dave King at his word that there's money available. They're going to have this rights issue, which will raise, I think he said, between six, six and eight million pounds. We've spoke before about uh, Pedro Cachinha's uh, transfer kit. He was around 10 million. I think a lot of it will depend on how much Rangers can recoup in terms of getting guys off the wage bill, you know, getting rid of your Peñas, Herreras, Rossers, people like that, Cardozo, Alves. Um, if they can generate a bit from that and add it to what's already there, then no, I, I think we touched on it before. You would you would like to think that Gerard will get somewhere in the region of kind of twelve, fifteen million to, to spend and try and try and revamp this team. Well, people ask this question as if it's some sort of rocket science. You know, it's really, really fairly straightforward. Rangers are slowly but surely improving their commercial department. Yeah. So. For example, the Hummel deal is a part of that. So yep. you see an extra 3.5 million coming out of the club from there. There will be a continuation alongside that of soft loans from investors. Yeah. Um, so people like Dave King um, will continue to pump money into the club to pay for this um, the spending. Yeah. Uh, it's, as, it's as simple as that. The, the, the millions that are coming at the club will come from a combination of a slow increase in Rangers um, profit and uh, turnover and uh, uh, investment from people. The, the one thing I'm slightly surprised about, and it's just because you mentioned it there, yeah. the signing the Hummel deal before Stephen Gerrard was was in the door mm. seems a wee bit straight. I mean, I'm not a marketing guy. I'm not sure how, the, how that deal would have worked or how long it's been in the pipeline. I'm not sure, but I would have thought, no, having Stephen Gerrard in as manager... Would I given you such a stronger hand when going to get a, a kit a kit deal? I actually I, I totally agree with you, Scott, but I think it's one of those that that deal would have been in the works for the last eight or nine months. Yeah. I don't think this is something that would have just been just Positive. arrived. And I don't think you would want to rip up something that everyone was quite happy with just yeah. because this Stephen Gerrard deal was in, was looming. Yeah. How long ago do you think this Gerrard thing came on the horizon? Four weeks? Five weeks? Yeah, you know, possibly. Whereas I think these deals... I just wonder if they'll maybe regret it then. I mean, without no, no disrespect to Hummel, obviously, but yeah. no, you would imagine Stephen Gerrard as manager. You you would think that yeah, no, Adidas and Nike and that would have been would have been all over it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Stephen Gerrard. I'm imagining they must have had a deal with Adidas or that as a as a player. So you would have thought there would have been opportunities there, um, maybe to get more to get more money. I'm not sure. It was just something that, that, that struck me that the timing of it seemed a wee bit a wee bit strange. It's certain you can be absolutely certain that the managing director Hummel will be rubbing his hands together <laughs> with glee. Exactly, uh, that, that's for sure. Um, and final question: um, How long do you reckon it will realistically take Rangers to mount a serious title challenge? That's the big question. Um, listen, there's a clear gap between Celtic and Rangers right now uh, in terms of quality, in terms of confidence, in terms of belief, in terms of what their managers has given them. The structure uh, behind the scenes as well. Of course. Um, but you, know, you hear people, we've said it before, you hear guys, social media, and that it's going to take 60 million, 70 million. I just don't see it. I think Rangers need a proper manager. Now, whether Steven Gerrard's that guy, we don't know yet. Nobody knows. Um, but I go back to 
Gavin Berry's brilliant point uh, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. When Rangers beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-final with Mark Warburton's side, if you'd have asked any Celtic fan, after immediately after that game, who do you want to keep for this team? I can guarantee they would have said, get Boyata out, get Rogic out. They might have been right about the first one. Well, he's still <laughs> playing every week now. Aye. Boyata, Rogic, McGregor, Armstrong maybe. Uh, they would have said Scott Brown was done. Looked as if he'd leg his legs had gone. There was no way, no way back from after that semi final. That's how the Celtic fans would have felt after James that, Forrest. that game. Yeah. Forrest potentially, yeah. um, and yet look at them now. We had a good manager in place who's rejuvenated them, you no know, instilled belief, confidence, that winning mentality we spoke about. That. Is what's required at Rangers. Of course, they need players. Of course, they need a bit more quality. But going right back to the start of this, no, what they need is is a, a mentality change and somebody instill that. No, the Rangers fans will be praying that Gerard can somehow, no, relay the the, the kind of uh, attitude and determination and mentality that that he had as a player. Uh, into some of these these Rangers players, and, and if they can do that, if they can somehow bridge that gap, allied to a bit of investment, allied to good recruitment, which is which is crucial, then you, know, you might find the gap isn't isn't quite as big as people think. I would agree with that. I think season one for Steven Gerrard is about finishing comfortably second. So we've seen Rangers struggle. Even if they finish second this year, they are will only finish there by a point or so. Yeah. I think next season it has to be clearly established that they are the second force in Scottish football by by, by a comfortable margin and challenge Celtic in that title up till the last month. You know, have an actual title race, a tangible uh, title race. I think it's also important that Steven Gerrard wins or gets draws at the very least out of some of these old firm games and we're not seeing the kind of procession that we've seen from Celtic this season. But see, but see, in simplistic terms, Johnny, what what Steven Gerrard has to do is beat every other team in Scotland. It's that simple. Four old firm games will take care of themselves. Yeah. Steven Gerrard in a one-off game against Celtic, I don't doubt could get Rangers players absolutely up for it and firing to go in against Celtic and compete with them. They competed with them. But no, but we're, we're slating, or some people are slating this current crop of players but they showed in the 3-2 game at Ibrox they can co- they can compete or they could compete they showed it in a couple of games at Celtic Park and flashes when they got their when they got their draws Rangers problem is they can't beat every other team they've still got defeats and draws to Hamilton St Johnson Kilmarnock on their uh, on their list on their fixture list so Stephen Gerrard has to come in and beat the rest of Scottish football and let Cel- let the Celtic games take care of themselves. If he does that, they will finish clear second and they'll have a chance of going, going and competing. The most important word for me is progress. Rangers fans need to see clear progress from season to season. Yep. It can't be this, what we've had in the last couple of years, which any progress is marginal yeah. and it's difficult to define. It should be very slow, very steady, 
very clear progress. That's if Steven Gerrard could provide that, you'll be a success. Yeah. Right. I'm going to st- stop that there. That's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can, of course. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott Eight. Don't forget to subscribe to iTunes or Acast, which is our new podcasting platform, to get the pod as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of desire Hanging on the edge of war